do traumatic incidents make you sweat? Probably just a bit. Does documenting traumatic incidents make you sweat more? In some cases. The sheer amount of stuff that surrounds our trauma calls many times overwhelms us. Today, on the QMC Board and Caller, we'll explore the drama of documenting trauma. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the QMC Board and Caller, news and thought-provoking discussions for today's emergency medical service provider. The Board and Caller podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's podcast, QMC's Director of Client Services, Gary Harvat. The very nature of the run, auto crashes, industrial accidents, severe falls with complications, or the like involving all types of complications causes our hearts to race a little faster and our brains to go into overload mode. After the run's concluded, the fun starts as you begin to compile all those hastily written notes together with bits and pieces of your memory to paint a picture in words about the incident. So you ask, Why cover trauma documentation when all we're worried about is satisfying Medicare or Medicaid with our documentation and trauma calls aren't billed to either one? That's a really good question. Our answer is one, documentation goes beyond just billing to Medicare. While we worry about Medicare and medical necessity a lot, we also have to satisfy the requirements of all other insurance payers as they consider paying for our transport incident. Two, Liability, especially auto insurance, has its limits. If those limits are reached, then who's going to pay the bill? Well, if the patient has Medicare or Medicaid, then Medicare or Medicaid as the health insurance, they will be in line to pay. Just because the initial accident is trauma-related doesn't necessarily mean that Medicare or Medicaid will forego their medical necessity documentation rules when you submit a claim to Medicare following the exhaustion or the denial of a liability claim for legitimate reasons. Three, is there a possibility you may be called to testify in a liability lawsuit court case? Would your documentation adequately describe the trauma scenario to the point that it would A, bail you out of a jam if your care is called into question, or B, assist the court in making a liability determination based on the accurate amount of the defense surrounding your care? In our minds, there are three basic parts of documenting a trauma scenario. Those parts include descriptions of one, the scene, two, the patient's condition, and three, the treatment and transport. Because a key element of any trauma documentation is recording the mechanism for the injury, it is important to adequately describe the scene. There are so many examples we can provide, but we'll just name a few of them here. For example, Probably the most frequent trauma scene most EMS providers encounter is the motor vehicle accident, or MVA. Of course, everything ranging from dispatch to cooperating units, first responders on scene, weather conditions, road conditions, location of the vehicle, damage slash intrusion, confinement or entrapment, location and relation of vehicles to one another, seating position of the patient, use of active or passive restraints, all of this must and should be included in one way or the other to describe the scene. Let's move to industrial accidents and you have a whole new realm of possibilities to record. In these scenarios, consider documenting the type of industry, presence and inclusion of heavy machinery, 
Physician patient was found. Treatment that may have preceded EMS arrival. Nature and severity of the injury. Overall mechanism. Type of injury. Mechanical, electrical, thermal, inhalation, such as in gases or chemical involvement. Are there multiple victims, including explanation of similar signs and symptoms amongst persons you're treating? Also, we recommend you describe the precautions you had to take to protect yourself and other first responders who are part of the incident. These are big incidents, but quite frankly, even a fall in a household setting qualifies as a traumatic injury event. Consider how you are describing those scenarios, such as describing the fall from the position and the height of the fall, nature of the fall, contributing factors, even down to describing the surface the patient fell from and fell onto. For example, the patient fell from the top rung of a six-foot ladder onto a plush carpeted floor and suffered a neck injury. Next, patient condition. It's interesting that beyond liability insurance guidelines, even Medicare billing guides and local coverage determinations released by Medicare include CMS and MAC expectations for conditions, comments, and examples they will expect to see associated with trauma. Most billing-related instructions we read begin with some mention of documenting field triage when the discussion turns into traumatic injuries. These guides reference the American College of Surgeons Committee on Trauma Field Triage Decision Scheme as the baseline for determining scene conditions, which are then later documented to support the protocol used in the response, treatment, and eventual transport of affected patients. Of course, level of consciousness and severity of injury documentation is critical. However, always remember that we must insert values into our documentation wherever possible, and especially for these high-octane incidents. Remember to document Glasgow Coma Scale determinations. Severe and life-threatening traumas will obviously point to GCS readings well below the normal 15, and patients with a GCS less than 14 will manifest all sorts of internal and external complications that truly must be explained. Don't forget the basics such as blood pressure readings and or respiratory rates as well. How about injuries themselves giving life to your PCR as you document penetrating injuries, injuries to the extremities, and quite possibly with deformities which must be explained. Chest injuries can be documentation challenges as can pelvic injuries because of the internal nature of the internal possibilities that existed during your incident. Those nasty head injuries carry a whole new set of variables, most notably a description of the level of consciousness or lack thereof. And there are elements that you have assessed that must be recorded, such as pupil reactivity and size, absence or presence of hemorrhaging or draining from the eyes, ears, or nose, deformities, open wounds, signs and symptoms of closed head injuries, and on and on. I could write an entire book on just the various types of traumatic incidents you have encountered, but I think you get the point. To close out this podcast, be sure to conclude in sufficient detail the treatment of the patient and whether or not the patient was transported. To document transport, you'll need to explain the rationale for the patients being transported by your ambulance versus the patients deciding not to opt for treatment and or transport to the hospital. Your treatment must be explained in great detail, folks. Here's where most PCR software programs come in handy, as they typically will force you to employ a timeline of events when explaining your incident. Chances are you're going to need to explain multiple treatments you performed. 
don't forget to explain how you moved and extricated the patient from the scene. Were there other first responder agencies assisting at the scene? For example, Medic 29 responded along with Rescue 5 and assisted EMS at the scene of a fall over a steep embankment. Rope rescue was employed due to the patient's suffering bilateral lower extremity fractures. Patient was placed in a Stokes basket, completely immobilized using a cervical collar, long spine board, and CID blocks in place before the patient was carried to safety. Make special note if care is transferred to another care provider, such as in a mass casualty incident or in an incident where care if provided but ultimately the patient's condition warranted another mode of transportation to the hospital. The most common for this type of scenario would be an air medical transportation service. To help your billing office when documenting air medical involvement, be sure to include documentation identifying the air medical transport service used, the location of the landing zone, complete with a zip code of the landing zone, and when possible, also make note in the PCR to identify the receiving facility and the patient's final destination for this particular incident. Also, there are times when a patient, such as the result of an MVA, refuses treatment and or transport following a traumatic mechanism event against the recommendations of the care providers. This can result in a refusal scenario, which is a podcast truly for another day. However, it goes without saying that very detailed documentation is a must for these scenarios, whether the patient is billed or not. I prescribe really good detailed documentation will heal many billing woes. If you're a regular listener of this podcast space, then you've come to appreciate how we help our clients and their provider staff members navigate the fine points of effective EMS documentation, which then translates into efficient billing practices. Thank you for your time today. I hope this provided some insight on the drama of documenting trauma. My name is Gary Harvat. I'm the Director of Client Services with Quick Mid Claims. Thank you for attending. Have a great day, and hey, be safe out there. <music>